Would you turn with me in the scriptures this evening, please, to um, Hebrews, the fourth chapter. The fourth chapter of Hebrews. We're going to begin a new series tonight. Is that okay with you? I'm excited about it. Uh, I believe it's the Lord. Actually, when we were on vacation, the Lord dealt with me about this. I mean, the Lord can talk to you anytime, anywhere, and you need to be open, but you need to be paying attention. And I got up in the nighttime and, and wrote some things down and asked him some questions. And, and I believe light is coming. Revelation is coming. And I'd like for you to hook up with me. And let's hook up together and let's believe for revelation. Is there any benefit to you from and me from getting revelation? You'll know the truth. What will happen to you? Can you and I be any more free than we are now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we don't know and we're not walking in all the truth there is to know, which means we can be more free than we are now. How many would say I'm freer than I used to be? <laughs> How'd you get this way? How'd you get in this condition? Hmm? You got a hold of some truth. You saw some things you hadn't seen and you begin to put them in practice, begin to do them. Well, that same thing can happen again and we can experience as much more freedom as we have in the past again. Would you like that? Well, we ought to go for it. We ought to go for it. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this evening, raise your hands. Ushers, look closely. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. I'm excited about this. <laughs> I know the Lord spoke to me about it. You'll hear as we get into it. But Hebrews 4 and verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Who is he? Who is he? Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession, or some translate it confession. Does it matter what we say? Yes. Oh, it does. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Can he relate to us? Hmm? See, there's a whole lot of people that don't think so. They think God's away off in heaven. Jesus is away off in heaven, and we're down here, and he just doesn't know what it's like to be us. Well, he absolutely does. I said he absolutely does. In fact, keep reading, what does it say? We don't have a high priest which can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. What does that mean? We do have a high priest who is touched with the feeling of infirmity means weakness. Our weaknesses. So we say, well, he's the son of God. How would he know what it's like to be me? He does. <laughs> I said, he does. He knows exactly what it's like to be you. Keep reading. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. What, what do you mean therefore? Knowing this, understanding this, then let's go right before the throne of grace. 
to get our help. What kind of help? The help that people with weaknesses and temptations need. Oh, come on. Are y'all with me on this? Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, 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 that we may obtain mercy and find grace, grace to help us in our time of need. What kind of times of need? Times of weaknesses. Times of temptation. The title of our series is The Truth About Temptation. The truth about temptation. Well, what's the good thing about truth? (laughs) Now, I know that may sound a little different to you. You may not know why you should be as excited as you need to be about that. But I assure you, I assure you, this is one of the most pertinent, one of the most important things we could talk about. The truth about temptation. We have a high priest who has been tempted in how many points? Say it again. How many ways? Listen to these other translations. The NIV says he was tempted in every way just as we are. Jesus was tempted in every way Just as we are. The NAS says he was tempted in all things as we are. The English says in every respect he has been tempted as we are. Most people don't believe that. And it's been crippling them spiritually. A lot of the theologians you read after don't believe this. I was reading today after some that are supposed to be, you know, have a lot of the higher education. And and they were trying to explain why this doesn't mean what it says. (laughs) And they were trying to explain the difference in the words, but I had already looked at a thousand verses on it. I like to see what he said first before I ever consider what anybody else said. Gives you foundation. Gives you something to compare it to. How many understand? I don't care if you got nine degrees and a thousand books you wrote. If you don't agree with this, you don't know what you're talking about. But these folk were trying, these doctors of theology, and some from centuries past, that a lot of their other stuff is real good, but they're trying to say he wasn't tempted like us. That it was more of an empathy that he could relate to how you could be tempted. Uh Uh-uh. No. If he'd have wanted to say that, that's what he'd have said. He would have said he was able to relate quite well (laughs) to us. He, how many know he could have said it differently if he'd wanted to? How many believe every word is significant here? Every word was chosen because that's what he wanted to get across. And how many understand that is very definite to say he was tempted in all 
points in every way, in every respect, just like us. So you just got to make up your mind whether you believe the Bible or not. Do you believe this? That Jesus was tempted in every way you have ever been tempted. True or not? True or false? Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, the spotless, sinless, holy Son of God was tempted in every way you have ever been tempted. True or false? True. But can you see what we run up against now? Can you feel that? People are like, all right. I can't imagine that. I can't picture that. It's because of the enemy's lies and deception that are holding people in bondage. Have you ever been tempted to lie? <laughs> I won't ask you if you yielded to it or not. Have you ever been tempted? <laughs> you know, you don't have to say yes. You don't have to raise your hand. Just look at me knowingly. You ever been tempted to steal? You ever been tempted to talk bad about somebody or been tempted to do something that you knew was wrong was Jesus? See, I lost three-fourths of the crap. People are like, well, see, you're siding in with these theologians that are saying, "Mm, no, he couldn't be tempted like us. The Bible said he was. Not only that he could be, he was tempted. Not just in some ways like us. Now I know I'm camping out here a little bit. I'm spending a little time here. But if you don't get this, it'll do a little good to move on. How many know you got to believe the Bible no matter what you think? No matter if it looks like it makes sense to you or not, you got to believe the Bible. Elsewise, you are your own standard, and the Word is not your standard. You know, uh, well, I won't get into all that. Go with me to the second chapter of Hebrews, please. Hebrews 2. It is written that Jesus, our Master, was tempted in all points, in every way, in every respect, just like us. In Hebrews, the second chapter, and the 18th verse, to, well, let me back up to verse 17. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. In how many things? How many ways was he like us? In all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Does he know what it's like to be tempted? If he doesn't, He couldn't relate to us. And the Bible says he is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. 
Because he has been tempted in every respect. Just like us. Now the devil will tell you over and over, that's not true. That can't be true. That can't be true. He's Jesus. He's perfect. He's holy. That can't be true. And it's because he has equated in the minds of millions that temptation is sin. Let's go back to our scripture again. You don't have to turn there, but you remember, in all points, he was tempted like as we are yet without sin. That tells us that temptation is not sin. Well, if we just got that one thing right there, we'd be more free already. Say it out loud. Temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted, but never sinned. Temptation is not sin. But see, the devil is doing this number on millions of believers Every day, something comes across their mind, something comes across their eyes or their ears, and they're tempted. And then, he's the one that brought the temptation and brought the enticement, and he'll turn around and say, look at you. Supposed to be a Christian. Thinking those thoughts. Look at you. Supposed to be a a believer. And you know you want to do it. You know you want it. You know you want it. Something's wrong with you. You must not even be saved. Friends, I know people who were in church up to their eyes for years that just completely left over this kind. I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about other churches in decades past. But that just left because of what I'm talking about right now. They came to decide, well, I, man, I'm going to church all the time and I'm reading the Bible and I still want to do this stuff. I still think about it. I'm still tempted. And the devil says, something's seriously wrong with you. Or you wouldn't think about this. You wouldn't consider this. You wouldn't still want this. You must not even be saved. So you might as well just, you know, live it up because you're going to hell anyway. I've had people tell me that in so many words. Being tempted does not mean something's wrong with you. It means you are a bona fide member of the human race. (laughs) Jesus himself was tempted in every way you have ever been and in ways you hadn't been. As we go on, perhaps I can explain that further, but is it a sin to be tempted? Does it make you a bad man or a bad woman because you're tempted to do something that's wrong? Let me answer that with this. Did it make Jesus any less perfect because he was tempted? Absolutely not. Selah. (laughs) Jesus 
is perfect. Perfect. But see, people would try to tell you, and that's what I was talking about these theologians. They're trying to explain it because they don't like this idea. They, they can't handle it. They think, well, no, no, no. Uh, being tempted means you're bad, you're defiled, and so he couldn't have been tempted. No, temptation is not sin. Everybody say it out loud. Temptation, temptation is, not is not sin. Being tempted, being tempted is, not is not sinning. See, Jesus was tempted in every way that any human being has ever been tempted and never once sinned. True? True? Let's read this again then. Hebrews 2, 17, what does it say? Well, let me back up to 14. All this goes together. He said, as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, who is that? As us. He also himself likewise took part of the same. Something like what we are? No, the same that we are. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Did he do it? And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Did he do it? Yes. Yes. Are you delivered from the fear of death? Are you delivered from bondage? Man, this is one of the greatest things in the world about being a real Christian and a real believer. Is that you're not afraid to die. (laughs) The list of phobias is as long as this building. And nearly every one of them, you can begin to see, it ties into a fear of death. Hmm? Fear of being in tight places is really a fear of death. Suffocating. A fear of heights is really a fear of death. Falling off and dying. Fear of car crash. Fear of drowning. You know, It comes back to a fear of death. And when you are not afraid to die... Then you're not afraid of heights or depths or close places or wide open places or cars or airplanes or boats or you just ain't afraid. Because you're not afraid of dying. And this is such a strong ingrained thing in humanity that people look at you in unbelief. They don't believe you're not afraid to die. I know I was, thank God for our doctors and nurses and medical personnel, but some of them haven't thought about some of these things as much as us. And uh, when my dad was dealing with a, uh, he had a heart attack that they said should have killed him. In fact, he said that he was leaving here. He said he was leaving his body. And he asked the Lord, Lord, uh, is it time for me to go? And he said, the Lord said, no. You can come, but. So he started fighting. He started fighting. And they told me, they said, his heart, he's just tore up. You know, it's how he's living. Not only did he live, he recovered. It took a little while. But I knew him. He was not just going to be ready to do just any kind of a procedure. He didn't even want to go to the doctor. But he did. And I was trying to tell this wonderful surgeon and doctor. And and he was saying, well, he's got to do this and he's got to do that and he's got to do the other. And and I listened and I smiled. I said, well, okay. I said, but he may not want to. 
<laughs> and I said, I'm going to respect his wishes now. He may not want to do that. He looked at me and said, don't you understand? He could die. I said, he's not afraid to die. And the guy looked at me like I had lost my mind. <laughs> I said, I appreciate it. And we will take these things under consideration, but he may not do it. I want him to feel good in his own heart about it. I'm not going to pressure him. He's wanting me to pressure him about doing it. And I said, well, no, I'm not going to do that. He said, well, don't you understand he could die? I wanted to say, well, don't you know we're all going to die? <laughs> that ain't the issue. That's happening. The issue is, are you ready to die? Oh, are you ready to die? Anybody in here beside me ready, ready? I'm not afraid to die. I am not afraid. Over the last 25 plus years, a couple of times I've been in some situations where it looked like I could die right then. <laughs> I won't go into all of them. But, and one of the most wonderful things, I'm thinking of one right now, it looked like, man, you know, you could die here right now. And I wasn't afraid. It was the most wonderful thing. I just sat there and I thought, well, glory to God. I ain't scared. I'm not afraid. I didn't panic. I didn't, you know, go into a frenzy. Jesus destroyed him that had the power of death. And he delivered us. Who through all our lifetime we were subject to bondage because of the fear of death. But now we have been delivered from the fear of death. Oh, I like it in Corinthians. I mean, you can almost picture standing by the graveside. And he says, death, where's your sting? Grave, where's your victory? Why? Jesus has pulled the stinger out. <laughs> Jesus has defeated death. The hell, grave, he's defeated it. He's defeated it. He's overcome. He rose triumphant over death. He was dead, but he's alive. You know how you can be alive after you was dead? Because you whooped death. <laughs> he died and he said, ah, death, I ain't having this. And he whooped death. He gave death a beat down. So that, now he didn't need to do that for himself. He did it for us. So that you and I would never again have to fear death. Somebody say glory to God. Now all this flows together. Temptation, death, fear, it all is together. I mean, how many understand this was written the way it should have been written? And you see the flow of it right now. Keep reading. He delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels. But he took on him the seed of Abraham. Jesus did not have an angelic body. He had a human body. He didn't have some kind of a strange God body. He had a body like yours. And like mine. Keep reading. Keep reading. Wherefore in all things. How many know if it wasn't in every respect in all things. He would not have used this terminology. 
In all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, me and you, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for what? For what? For what? For the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Listen to other translations. The NIV says, because he himself suffered temptation when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. The NASU says, since he himself was tempted, he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. The Weast says, in that he suffered, having himself been tempted and put to the test, he's able to run to the cry of those who are being tempted and put to the test and bring them aid. Oh, come on, are you getting this now? The Living Bible, since he himself has now been through suffering and temptation, he knows what it is like. When we suffer and are tempted, and He is wonderfully able to help us. <laughs> He's been there. He's done it. He knows what it's like. He overcame it all. And He is wonderfully able to help us. Make it through any suffering, any temptation, any test, any trial. He's been here. He's experienced it. He didn't just know about it, able to relate to it. He's been through it himself. How many believe the Bible means exactly what it says? God's not trying to hide stuff from us. I mean, he had to make it simple for us. It's the devil that's always trying to make it complicated. It's simple. It means what it says. It says what it means. And can you see how confusing this other stuff would be if we said, well, no, Jesus has never been tempted to lie. No. Jesus has never been tempted to lie. He's never been tempted to be with somebody he's not married with. He's never been tempted to steal. He's never, no, he can't be. Then if that's true, he can't relate to me. Or you. He does not know what it's like to be a human being in this world. Are y'all with me now? You can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. He either experienced exactly what we're experiencing or he can't relate. And it's unfair for him to hold us to a righteous standard when he didn't go through what we go through. When he doesn't know what it's like to be weak and human and tempted. How many can see we need some mind renewal? We need some mind renewal in these areas. Let me go over this again slowly. Does being tempted make you a bad person? Is being tempted a sin? No. 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 It's yielding to the temptation. It's giving in to it. It's entering into the temptation. That's the sin. Not being tempted. Being tempted and not yielding is victory. 
Oh, come on. It's victory. You were pulled. You were tempted. And you didn't give in. Why? Because Jesus, who has already been tempted in every point just like you have, is wonderfully able to help you when you're tempted. I see we got millions of Christians. This is the thing that the Lord dealt with me. People are not even dealing with their temptation because they don't want to admit they are tempted. If you're trying to pretend you're not tempted, then you're not dealing with the temptation. You're trying to act like it's not there. And the reason being is because for centuries, the church has taught people that if you're tempted to do that, something's wrong with you. You're not right. And so there's this shame that is associated with being tempted. Come on now, do you see? Shame connected with what? Should Jesus have been ashamed that he was tempted? No. Because temptation is not sin. Now I may say the same thing 20 times before we're over with this, but we need to. We've got to get our minds renewed. Because we've heard too much junk, too much religion and tradition instead of Bible. And the good news is, you're not weird. (laughs) That's good news. (laughs) Yeah, but Brother Keith, you don't know what I've been tempted to do. Temptation is not sin. You hadn't been tempted to do anything Jesus wasn't tempted to do. See, every time you say that, your religious head goes, "Uh." (laughs) Did I make this up? Did I write this? Hmm? The good news is, there's not something morbidly wrong with you. (laughs) You're not just twisted and satanic because... You thought that, or that crossed your mind, or that you were pulled to do that. The issue is, you don't have to yield to it. And the wonderful good news is, you got help. You've got somebody who's been through it, who's experienced it, and never caved. Never gave in, never yielded to it, and he knows how to help you wonderfully help you and me not yield to it. But we will not be overcomers by pretending we're not tempted. There is far too much of this in church. People pretend. They put on their church clothes and their church hairdo and their church face and Got a whole other vocabulary they use at church. Their church words and their church mannerisms and, and come to church. And thousands of folk can come sit in church together and pretend that they're not tempted, that they're not tried. Hmm? Or they wouldn't dare 
let anybody know I was tempted to do that. Oh, oh no. What would they think about me? No. Just, and actually lie to try to cover and hide so that nobody would ever suspect that you were tempted. <laughs> Got a lot of looks all across the crowd. We're going somewhere with this series, friends. Do you understand? We are going. God is going to help us. And people are going to get free. I said people are going to get free. People that are in sin are going to get free. Come on now. We're not interested in condemning anybody. I'm not the least bit interested in you feeling bad or ashamed about what you have done or are doing. Not the least bit interested in that. What I'm interested in is you getting free. I said you getting free. And the first step to you getting free is acknowledging the truth. That you have been tempted. And understanding temptation is not sin. Somebody say praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Go with me, if you would, to uh, Proverbs, the 14th chapter. How much of this can you take tonight? <laughs> I'm going to have to see. <laughs> I really am. because uh, <laughs> God is reality. And all of this pretending and falseness that's between Christians and in churches is just not God. And it's in the way of God. And people trying to pretend and trying to hide and they're defeated and they're miserable. But they're trying to project this good image. They do it because they think they don't know what else to do and they don't have any choice. And, and the devil has convinced them. You're perverted. You're distorted. I mean, none of those other people have thoughts like you have. None of those other people are tempted like you are. And yet, Jesus himself was tempted. Just like you. Now see, every time I say that, (laughs) what's religious minds say? Oh, no, no. No, no. Not perfect holy Jesus. No. He, there's no way Jesus ever thought what I thought or was ever tempted to do what I was tempted to do. The Bible's either true or it's not. You can't have it both ways. And the reason why people have such difficulty with that is because church has taught us that temptation is sin. That to be tempted is to be sinful. Well, I didn't realize we'd be blazing this kind of a trail. <laughs> but here we are. Of course, you know me. I'll just stay with it. I should if it's the Lord, shouldn't I? I mean, he spoke to me about this in the early hours of the morning. I didn't see him. I didn't hear an audible voice, but he spoke to my heart about it. He's not pleased. That his people are suffering in silence. And they're playing games. And trying to pretend that life is not like it is. And that human beings are not like they are. And that the truth is not being the victory over sin. That he accomplished is not being heralded as loudly as it can be. 
Go to Romans, the sixth chapter. I said Proverbs, but I don't know if you're ready for Proverbs quite yet. So, uh, Romans 6. Said out loud, some people are going to get free. Many people are going to get free. It's already begun. It's already begun. Temptation is not sin. Jesus himself was tempted. I, I didn't realize this when we made our schedule for our Bible reading, but Romans is our next reading. Boy, the Lord is so smart. And Romans is so rich about this subject that we're looking at. I mean, especially like the uh, third through the eighth chapters. Oh, rich. That's the Holy Ghost bringing out the redemptive truth of the things we're talking about, about sin and condemnation and righteousness. But so much of this has just been religious words to people. They don't even really know what it means. And the only thing they conclude is that he's high and holy and perfect and I'm not. And oh, to be like Jesus. And one of these days after this life, I guess I will be if I'm even saved. But you know, thinking like I think, how could you be? And I mean, still what I'm talking about, this cycle, it just... See... I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but it's hard not to. It's just so, the punchline is so wonderful, you know. There, in the seventh chapter of Romans, do you hear Paul talking about this? You know, this man that I am, you know, I got this outward man, and I got this inward man, and I got this pull. Who's going to deliver me from this body of sin and death? Then he said it. Oh, he said, Jesus, glory to God, he has delivered us. From the law of sin and death. How many believe it has happened? Jesus has paid the price. He went through everything any human being could ever go through. And he overcame it. He defeated it. He proved it could be done. He stripped the devil. He destroyed the him that had the power of death. He rose triumphant over it. And he is available to you. He ever lives to make intercession for you and I. Every day, every night. He's able to save us to the uttermost. All the way. And since he himself has gone through it all already, he knows exactly how personally to help you and I wonderfully who are tempted. Now there's no need for me to ask for a raising of hands. Everybody in this building has been tempted in many different ways. Everybody. How many understand if Jesus has been tempted? Everybody has been tempted. The difference with him, he never yielded. You did. I did. All have sinned. What does that mean? All have yielded to the temptation. And as a result, there was death. Now Romans 6, are you there? We'll just kind of whet your appetite on this one. And then we'll believe God before we're through to go through these chapters and to eat them, devour them, I mean consume them, 
until they become a part of our insides and until the truth and power and victory of them works out through our mind and our minds get renewed and we quit thinking wrong. We quit believing lies. We quit holding on to traditions that make the Word of God of none effect. Romans 6. And in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? He calls born again believers dead to sin. How many think you ought to jump on that right now? Say it out loud. I am dead to sin. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we're buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. How many think this newness of life is not a life of sin? Amen. Mm -mm. He said, if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Said out loud, I do not have to. I do not have to. From this point forward, From this point forward. Serve, sin. serve sin. And then what he said, from henceforth, we don't have to serve sin. You're going to see this as we read, but one of the common lies that the devil has perpetuated is that a person should desire to be free to sin. To be free to sin. That's what he's telling people. That's why a lot of people are not in church. That's why they have not made a full commitment to the Lord, because they want to be free to live like they're living. They want to be free to do what they're doing. They want to be free. And the enemy tells them, you commit to the Lord, you're going to be in bondage. You can't do what you want to do. And just like everything else about the devil, that is twisted. Tell me what the truth is. The truth is that if you're living in sin, you are in bondage. You are a slave to it. And to get out of the life of sin is to become free. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. I'm so glad tonight. I'm free. I'm free. Drug addiction is not running my life. Alcohol addiction is not running my life. Sexual addiction is not running my life. I don't have to be concerned tonight that Phyllis is going to find out about my mistress. Because I ain't got one. That's liberating. I don't have to be concerned that you're going to find out, the church is going to find out, that I'm doing all these drugs because I ain't got no drugs. Right. Glory to God. 
drug-free. And don't want no drugs. How many understand people are talking about, well, I want to be free to have sex with everybody I see. I want to be free to do all the drugs and party all the way. That is not freedom. It's not freedom. It's bondage. People who are living these lifestyles are driven individuals in a bad way. They are slaves to it. And as it progresses and gets worse and worse and worse, they'll tell you they want to quit. They want out. And they don't think they can. They are slaves to sin. And the world doesn't have the answer. I mean, some of these extreme ends of addiction, there's no drug will fix that. Psychologists can't fix that. Psychiatrists can't fix that. All the people that love you can't fix it. It's real. It's there. It's a gnawing, craving thing. But Jesus has been there. This is no way. No way Jesus doesn't know what it's like to be a crackhead. Yes, he does. He was never one, but he experienced the same temptations that are involved. Well, they didn't even have crack. They had stuff. People, you know, it's such a lie that people talk about, well, you know, our kids are experiencing temptations that nobody's ever experienced. No, they're not. It has different names. It's the same devil. Same flesh. It's desires. It's temptation. Whether it's moonshine or crack. (laughs) This is not the same. It is the same. There's nothing new under the sun. I know the Lord said this to me some time back. It's kind of surprised me, and I had to think about it a little while. And he said to me, I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me in a time of waiting on him, he said, the earth is not worse than it's ever been. The world has been far worse in times past than it is now. Well, you don't hear that, do you? No. <laughs> Two examples. Noah's time. <laughs> Hmm? Sodom and Gomorrah. When's the last time you saw a city taken out by hell and brimstone? I'm not saying that things are going on that are good, but in a lot of ways, we're way better off than some people have been in other generations. But the good news is, no matter what generation you're in, no matter what the temptation, Jesus has experienced it and overcome it. And is able to wonderfully help you and me do the same. It gives new meaning to this word overcomer. Doesn't it? Did Jesus overcome the temptations? He did. They didn't overcome him. He overcame them. Can you overcome them? Are you an overcomer? Is the Lord able to help you and grace you? Can we come boldly before the throne of grace and get some grace and get some mercy and get some help? Can He help us when we're tempted, when we're pulled? Yes. Yes. So that we 
are not overcome. We are overcomers. We overcome the desire, the appetite, the hunger, the temptation, the pull. We overcome it. And don't yield to it. And are victorious. And we don't feel condemned because we were tempted. We just feel exhilarated because we didn't yield. Oh, come on, somebody help me with this now. (laughs) Keep reading. Knowing this, verse 6, our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, from here on, we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Come on, how many have been buried with Him? Crucified with Him. Died with Him. Buried with Him. Been raised up together with Him. Then you are free from sin. Not trying to get free. In Jesus, you are free from sin. And you never have to give in to it. Does that mean you'll never be tempted? No. But the truth is, you never have to. Yield to it. You have, once you're born again, you have the power inside you. That you no longer have to serve wrong appetites. You no longer have to serve desires that you know are wrong. You no longer have to serve your body. Or your unrenewed mind. Or your past experiences. You no longer have to serve sin. You are a free man. In Jesus And desire and sin is not your master. Come on, somebody say it out loud. Sin Sin is not not my master. master. I am free free in Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sin's not my master. Are these glorious words that we're reading here? Are they glorious? Will we still be shouting about them in heaven? In the ages to come. Can they get us through the rest of this life? Yes, they can. He said, He that is dead is free from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. Death has no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died to sin once. But in that He lives, He lives unto God. Likewise, reckon... You also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. Now let's just stop right here. If you never were tempted after you got saved, why does this need to be in here? Isn't he writing to Christians? Isn't he writing to the saints that are at Rome? Why is he talking to them about, let me read it again. Let not sin reign in your mortal body. Why would you have to tell a believer to that if they can't be tempted? Don't let it reign in your mortal body. That you should obey it in the lust thereof. Now lusts and temptation. Desires and temptation. Go hand in hand. They're real. 
You've experienced them. It doesn't make you a bad person. You've just got to know that you've got the power to resist them. You've got the power to resist temptation. It's a lie. When people say, I'm talking about believers, they say, I can't help it. It was just there, and next thing I know, I was doing it. Next thing I know, I couldn't help it. It just overwhelmed me. Lie. That is a lie. I said it's a lie. Because you're a child of God. You are a child of God. That means you have the power inside you. There is no temptation can take you. And overwhelm you. And overpower you. If you sinned, it was because you chose to yield to it. And that's why you're responsible and accountable to repent. You've been there, I've been there, no need to ask about testimonies in that regard. But we're not talking about the past. We're talking about tomorrow. And do you have to sin tomorrow? Do you have to? No, you do not. I don't have to. You don't have to. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Say okay. Okay. That you should obey it in the lust thereof. Say okay. Okay. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteous to sin. Say okay. 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 What does okay mean? All right. I'm not going to let sin dominate me. I'm not going to yield myself to sin. Does that mean you'll never be tempted? No, you'll be tempted. Temptations come. Brother Hagin used to talk about this, about thoughts and feelings that come to all of us. And he said, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head. But you can't keep him from building a nest in your hair. (laughs) And that'd be true, wouldn't it? I mean, something comes to you, a thought, a feeling. That doesn't mean you should get all condemned. You should recognize where it comes from. And again and again, these things didn't come from the inside of you. They came from out here to your mind. Of course, the enemy wants to pass it off as your thought. He wants to blame you for it when he's the one that brought it. I've told you this before, but it'll bear repetition about the minister, young minister years ago I heard tell this story. He, he went up in this huge tall skyscraper. He'd never been in a place like that before. And he, little bitty balcony, little bitty rail. And he went out and looked over. And man, the cars, you could barely see them look like little toys. And the people, he was so high up. And this thought came to his mind, why don't you just jump? And he just turned and said, you jump. I'm not. And when he said, no, it's so simple, yet it's profound. And when he said it, I just I almost shouted. I thought, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of people would have just gripped the rail and thought, what am I thinking about jumping for? And boy, that's the last thing you need to ask in your head because he is there to fill in the blanks. Well, why do you think you're thinking about jumping? I don't know. It's a weird thought. You're suicidal. Oh, I'm not suicidal. Why are you thinking about jumping? I don't know, but I'm not suicidal. That's what suicidal people do is they think about jumping. And you were just thinking about jumping. Weren't you thinking about jumping? 
I guess, but I'm not suicidal. You are suicidal. You're thinking about jumping. You got a spirit of suicide. I got a spirit of, you got two. <laughs> What's wrong with me? How many understand you can get to thinking about that? And begin to yield to that and feel it. And when you do, more thoughts are coming. And more feelings are coming. And you can become suicidal. Not take long. Oh, but how many understand? It just throws cold water on his plan when you turn around and go, you jump. I'm not. I'm not stupid. I ain't jumping. Now you got to be the same way with every other temptation. Go flirt with his wife. What do you say? <laughs> I ain't crazy. I'm not flirting. Are you crazy? Well, you know you want. No, I don't. No, I'm dead to sin. See, just because the thought is there, the feeling is there, the pull is there, the temptation is there, does not mean you are a perverted, bad person or that you have sinned. Now, of course, granted, if you keep your head in this book instead of stuff you ought not be watching, you won't have to deal with nearly as much of these thoughts and feelings. People make it hard on themselves. How many understand? Don't raise your hand now. But how many understand? There's a lot of things you would have been so much better off if you had never seen or if you'd never heard it. Why? Because then you had to deal with it. The enemy could use it on you, to pull on you, to tempt you. And if you'd never seen it, he couldn't have used it. So people talk about, you know, the holy life is the hard life. The holy life makes it easier. (laughs) The cleaner you live, the less stuff you got to deal with. The less stuff he's got to work with to mess with you. (laughs) He's such a liar. And a defeated foe. Keep reading. Can you take a little bit more? Reckon you yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. But alive to God through Jesus Christ. Say it out loud. I am dead to sin. sin. But alive to God. God. He said let not sin reign in your mortal body. Who's the understood subject here? You. You are not to let sin reign in your mortal body. That's this one right here right now. So say I don't have to. I choose not to let sin reign in my body. He said, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourselves to God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but under grace. Oh, glory to God. See, this power to live free from sin, you could not get from the law. That's right. Right. He goes into great detail about this. No matter, the law was good and perfect and holy and right, but the power was not in it to make the doer free from sin. People, they saw what was right and they kept doing what was wrong and just felt condemned for it. But we're not under the old covenant. We're not waiting for the Messiah to come. He has come. He has come. And he took upon himself all 
the sins. And he has raised triumphantly over sin. He has put away our sin. He is the Lamb of God who has come and taken away all our sin. Is it true or not? Then sin shall no longer have dominion over us. The devil will lie to you and tell you you can't help it. You're just an old sinful mortal man or woman and you can't help it. And churches, pastors will get up in their pulpits and tell you, well, we all sin every day and there ain't no escaping that. It's a lie. Jesus went his entire life and never sinned one time. So surely you could make it through a day. (laughs) Yeah, but it's Jesus. He did it. As a man, we just got through reading that he became just like us. He was tempted just like us and just like us in that state. He never yielded. He's my hero. How about you? Because of that, see, there's no coincidence that he walked so boldly. He walked so powerfully. Why? Because there was no condemnation in him. There was nothing to hinder his faith, even a little bit. (laughs) There was nothing to make him dull to the leadings of the Spirit, even a little bit. Oh, glory to God. Oh, can you see it? Can you see it? The sin life is not the desirable life. It's a life of bondage and servitude and dullness and failure. Oh, the good life is the Jesus life. The life when you're crystal clear in your spirit, you know everything He says to you and you know it's Him and your faith is unhindered. You walk with God. You walk in victory. You exercise dominion over the elements, over demons, over disease. That's being free. I said that's being free. And there is no sin that's worth forfeiting that. There is no pleasure for a few moments or hours or days that's worth forfeiting that. Is there? And if it's good, God will give it to us himself. The right way and the right time. And if we can't get it from him, you don't need it. It's not good. You can't get it from him. Keep reading. I'll try to finish. He said, verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you. Say it out loud. Sin Sin shall not not have dominion dominion over me. me. I am not not the servant of sin. sin. You're a child of God. Not the servant of sin. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? People that are in sin. This is the big lie. Are they free? No. Do you wish you could live like they do? Have you a different sex partner every night? Get drunk, get high every day. Lie and steal all day long. Let it make you happy? 
kill you. More ways than one. Work death in your mind, death in your soul, death in your body, death in your finances. The devil's a liar. It's not desirable. It's bondage. It's servitude. It's being a slave to your desires. It's being a slave to your body. It's being a slave to some drug. It's being a slave to money. It's being a slave. Who wants to be a slave? How can that be being free and being good? Say it again. I am not a slave. I am not a servant to sin. I'm free in Jesus. Glory to God. Free, free, free. The Son has set me free. And I'm free indeed. (laughs) He said, Don't you know that to who you yield yourself servants to obey, you're his servant? Verse 17, But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Is there power in the Word of God to deliver you? Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. As you have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. When you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God. Come on, say it out loud. I'm not the servant of sin. I'm the servant of God. I don't yield my members to wickedness. I yield my members to righteousness. Now how could you do that unless you had the power to overcome temptation? You couldn't. But you can, because you do. He said, now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, stand up on your feet. Begin to give praise to the Lord. For what he's done for us. Oh hallelujah. Lift up your hands. Begin to thank God that you are free from sin. I don't care how what happened earlier today. I don't care how many times you've yielded to the same thing. In the same way. In the same area. The truth is still the truth. And the truth is. You are free from sin. Oh father we thank you for setting us free. Thank you that you have made us free from sin. You have overcome sin in the flesh. You have dealt with our sin. You have overcome it. And you've overcome death. And you have made us free. Oh, come on. Praise Him a little more. Just lift up your hands. Oh, Father. Oh, Father, we praise You. Oh, Father, we praise You. 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 Close your eyes. Close your eyes and listen with your spirit now. 
their people in bondage. You've been in bondage for some time. Keep yielding to the same thing, same areas. You're ashamed of it. You've done everything you can to hide it. But it's just chewing you up. And the devil's telling you even tonight, you've tried everything. You know you can't quit. You've tried everything. You know you can't quit. It may seem like you have tried everything, but you haven't done this. The power is in believing these words. To hold to the past experience and go, I tried and I did this and I I did everything I knew how to do. Yeah, but you didn't believe you were free. You still believe you're bound. I know it sounds too simple. I know the devil tries to torment you about it. But it is as simple as believing you are free from the power of sin. Say it out loud, I'm free. From the power of sin. Sin shall not rule over me. Sin shall not have dominion over my life. I am free from sin. It is written. Believe it. Just by faith. Forget how you feel and what's happened now. Just by faith. Quit wrestling in your head and just begin to thank God I'm free. I'm free. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by my past. I'm not moved by my flesh. I am free, 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 free from sin. Sing something about being free, guys. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries, and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.